In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. The Sports Today proudly presents The Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. The big picture view of the NCAA. On full display in one SEC town, Chuck Oliver Show on Wednesday. How are you? How is everybody? I hope it's just a glorious day. I mean that. When I say the big picture view of the NCAA is on full display, and it's Rocky Top, man. We talked about, what is today, Wednesday? When did we start talking about this? I think Monday. And we had Dave Hooker on yesterday, I believe. Started to flesh this out. And we still don't have a ton of details. Tennessee doesn't have all the details. They think they have enough. When I say the big picture view, the collective big picture view that all of us and our favorite teams have of the NCAA right now crystallized in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're on in the state of Tennessee. Balls fans are everywhere. If you are part of the creamsicle nation, I have a couple of statements about the Tennessee Balls athletic department right now. Both are true. Both are, I mean, 180 degrees apart. The couple statements about the Vols Athletic Department, and I mean, when I say right now, I mean as of Wednesday, January 31st, the Vols Athletic Department, right now, they might be in real trouble with the NCAA. That's my first statement. Vols might be in Dutch, and I mean bad with the NCAA. Hashtag repeat violator. Two. I believe it's in part because Tennessee has viewed the NCAA, same as every other program the past few years, that the body has lost total control of college athletics, and hey, we should do whatever we want. I've likened it to, I don't know, I was, you may not know this name, used to be a guy named Sal Anussi, played quarterback at Colorado. I think he was number eight or number two. He's number eight. And so... I'm watching the Colorado game because suddenly they're relevant and it's pregame and I see this Buffalo come running out on the field and they've got these student trainers. There's like eight of them. They all have a rope at a different point of this. Buffalo's doing whatever it wants, but they're pretending I've got a rope on Ralphie. Ralphie's like over on the other team's bench or, you know, whatever. But then you kind of guide him back. You hope, but Ralphie's doing whatever Ralphie wants. That's college football. 
NCAA, they're holding on to some ropes, but that's they're the 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 sport and name image. That's Ralphie. It's just it's wherever it wants. It's the schooner when it got loose. It's just it's it's a live animal doing whatever it wants. It has run away. And Tennessee looked at it same. They're like Tennessee wasn't just looking at the NCAA. They were looking at all these other programs and going, okay, working for them. And until a few months ago, do you know what it looked like the biggest trap door with name image likeness was? A kid shows up and then the money's not there. Like that was the worst thing going. No, there it's worse now. And we are slowly finding out somehow. Florida State's the first one. We are finding out that the NCAA has decided, nope, we still got rules. Now, in addition to all the other programs in college football, that Tennessee is looking left and right and going, um, okay. They also were just watching college basketball. They saw, I've talked about Will Wade, was it yesterday or Monday? He's on wiretap from the federal BI saying, I, like, I'll condense, I'll leave out the F bombs. Will Wade, I, he literally saying, I'm so tired of all these kids paying all this money. He's on, like, there's a reason he's not at LSU anymore. He's at McNeese State. He's on tape talking about how exhausting paying all these kids is. Sean Miller. Folks, this is not Middle Tennessee. This is LSU and Arizona and Bill Self. And a little Tennessee football is looking around going, we haven't been bothering anybody. We haven't been winning national championships. All right, we'll do it like they're doing. All of a sudden, the NCAA, like they spun the wheel and it landed. It was like that showcase showdown, you know, where like it tick, tick, and then it lands on the dollar slash power T. Oh, Tennessee. Like, what'd we do? Now, to answer that in a literal, when I say that Tennessee, the first statement, you may be in, like, real trouble. Um, what do we do? To answer that in a literal sense, Tennessee did commit violations. But really? In 2024, really? Tennessee did commit violations. UT starting, when I say really, in today's game, I'll get to a couple of the details here, but UT's starting quarterback this coming season will make $1.5 million. But a plane ride across the country, I don't know, I get to Vegas and back for about four seventy. Um, that means you can't go to the playoffs, maybe? Because among violations, kid got on a PJ, and if that's true... If the NCAA is going to look at Tennessee, and part of the reason they're in real trouble is because of what already happened, and so repeat violator, which means they may hammer you. And not everybody is a repeat violator, but everybody's about to be at least an initial violator. And Florida State, if they find out something more about you, guess what? Hammer. Alabama, sack of bricks. Georgia, cinder block. If coloring outside the lines... And giving somebody a now I, 450, let's be honest. 
Atlanta to Las Vegas and back, 450. That's like spirit out there, frontier back. The PJ, I don't know what that is. Five grand, eight grand, never been on one. Quarterback's making $1.5 million, private flight, $6,000. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was a Cessna. But if a violation in the era of name, image, likeness, equaling a few thousand bucks, could equal a program of Tennessee's ilk getting the you-can't-go-to-the-playoffs outcome from the NCAA, folks, if that is a if that is the world we live in, a lot, a lot of big-time programs about to be sanctioned by the NCAA because why? Why? Think about that. Why? Because only big-time programs fly prospects on private jets from coast to coast. I promise you, right now, Georgia State's not getting busted for this. Guarantee you Syracuse football, they're clean. They're not worried about it. I would guess, and I have no knowledge, I would guess, I don't know, Clemson, Ohio State, Bama, Texas, LSU. There's probably a lot of programs looked around like Tennessee going, well, gosh, those volleyball kids from Fresno State just got a million each. I think that was it. And all they're doing is use this amino acid and just uh, sprinkle the powder in and boom. Bucks. Volleyball players at Fresno State getting multiple million-dollar deals. Tennessee, sack of hammers on your head because a recruit and a booster who, I don't know, maybe he owned a company too. Could have hired him, could have done it through a different, whatever. But while still trying to get a high school recruit, put him on a plane, I don't know, eventually get the recruit and then give him 1.5. The 1.5 isn't the issue. Folks, Syracuse isn't doing this. Louisiana Monroe, not doing this. Only big-time programs are doing this. And if the NCAA is now Florida State, Tennessee, setting the precedent that here we go, whoever you are in whatever conference, if you're doing this, you're busted. Well, guess who they're going to bust? Only big-time programs. Okay, so now populate your great new expanded 12-team field without any program who might have been, I don't know, sending kid an extra 5 or 10 large. Populate your suddenly awesomer expanded playoff field without any of those teams. Remember I just said, Louisiana Moreau's not doing this. Tulsa's not doing this. And live from Skelly Stadium... Do they still play at Skelly? Um, I don't think that we're going to get a December 22nd matchup on the campus of Tulsa. But if this is real and Tennessee gets busted and this is the measuring stick, folks, I got top 50 teams in America. 40 of them are guilty of this stuff. I promise you right now. Might be my team. I don't know. Should be. It, if it was not, you might be looking around going, what have we been doing? Except now you're getting busted. So that's where we sit right now on this Wednesday, close out January. So this is how we're starting the year, folks. The NCAA is like, hey, guys, guess what? Uh, We're still in charge. All right, we're going to break. Continue next.
back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. It is Wednesday on Chuck Oliver Show. And boy, do we have a fun program today. Um, we got a little Missouri talk later. Got our good friend, uh, Trot Hamilton coming on from Power Mizzou. I've been so impressed with Eli and the job he has done there at Como. It was a really strange pairing. And we talked about this in the moment that it's just not really a normal thing to see a head coach both be forced to hand over play calling duties and he gets a contract extension and a raise. Somehow Eli pulled that and then it worked. Got Kellen Moore's brother and it worked. And then defensively, it, it's it been working. And I mean, you see uh, Mizzou players run around Super Bowl fields. Didn't Bolton get points? And we were talking about points yesterday. I think Bolton scored in the, t- in the Super Bowl. Um, Alabama players, and Heath had mentioned a statistical oddity yesterday that in the history of the Super Bowl, no Alabama player has ever scored even one point. And like, as the words are tumbling out his mouth, and I was going, that was weird to me too, because whenever I see something like that, and this was, I'm trying to remember, maybe this was after last year's Super Bowl. My brain, I immediately take the challenge. Oh, wait a minute. No. And I like the process of thinking I'm going to go back from Super Bowls 1 through 58. I'll recall every scoring play because that's what guys do. That's also why, like, two 38-year-old men take their dress shoes off and have a 40-yard dash in the office hallway and both wind up with hamstring pulls. Um, Because, oh, I do that. No, you can't. I remember last year's Super Bowl. But Jalen Hurts, you don't get any credit for that. He didn't play there. Um, Or... At least that's not what he counts as anymore. But Missouri, they're on the list. They've scored Super Bowl points. Uh, And part of what they've been doing is stocking the NFL since, I'll say, they entered the SEC. Big-time players on that side of the ball far more than anything on offense. You think of the offensive players that Missouri has put in the league, and they've had some successes because, I mean, it's Missouri. Um, they're an SEC program, and ever so often it, it happens. But like Doriel Green Beckham, I think he was a second-round draft pick. And then he was available for anybody who would have him. And then, I don't know, maybe he was trying out for the Arena League. Um, but you look defensively, man, they've had SEC Defensive Player of the Year. They've had first-round draft picks. They've had impact guys. They've had pass rushers off the edge. They've had huge defensive tackles, um, one of whom accused George of playing old-man football. Um, Sheldon Richardson. They've had Alden Smith. I mean, just just massively impactful players from the get-go on that side of the football. And it's continued. And now they're going to have to reboot uh, that completely. So we got some of that coming up. We also got uh, some South Carolina talk. J.C. Sherbert, been a minute. Hadn't had J.C. on. Uh, oh, gosh, I'm going to say... It was back maybe early part of the season, at least last time I talked to him. Maybe he talked to him on a day that I was out uh, from BigSpur.com. So we'll talk um, and inside the Gamecocks podcast as well. We'll talk a little Carolina with him. Uh, coming up in about 10 minutes or so, one of my favorite guests, guy from Columbus, Georgia, Josh Pate. Late kick with Josh Pate. And, man, you can spread him around like butter. You turn on um, CBS and all related uh, properties uh, past few falls, and you're seeing him everywhere. So a uh, very opinionated guy and always based. It's very cool now to see um, him basically deciding I'm going to have a career 
and creating it through video. And now he's on the sidelines after the Alabama-Texas A&M game giving live hits. So um, really am looking forward to having him on again, bottom of this hour. Heath, how's your Wednesday going? Well, I'm, I'm looking at the ongoing reaction to what you talked about in the open there, Chuck. And uh, today you've had the Tennessee Attorney General as well as the Virgin- oh, yeah. uh, Virginia Attorney General. Both have sued yep. the NCAA for violating federal antitrust laws. The uh, claim they're making is that the restrictions, any restrictions basically on how any of this is operating are anti-competitive Yeah, look, you and I are both in the same boat. Neither one of us has any kind of legal training, so I don't know the merits of the case. Like, I I can read about it just like anybody can, but I won't pretend to have the qualifications to, to judge the merits of the case. But I do know this much, Chuck, which is that every time anybody sues the NCAA for anything, they always lose. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, They've got about as consistent a track record as it gets of, of being, uh, the bag, not the boxer, when it comes to the legal stuff. So I would at least expect that the odds are pretty good this is going to lead to them getting some friendly judge to give them some kind of temporary restraining order. And if we weren't operating already in kind of the all-crime-is-legal world, it sure feels like we're about to get there. Yeah, and there are so many examples of, like I said, it goes beyond the NCAA. And this is what I want to remind people. There's so many examples it goes beyond just the NCAA because when I said – you know, law enforcement and, you know, federal agencies. They have laws. The NCAA has rules. And so here's at the crux of all this that also I think when I said Tennessee's been looking left and right and kind of paying attention, it's not just that, hey, wait a minute, look at all these successful programs. All right, well, we're going to do like they do. They also realize that when the NCAA knocks on your door, again, they don't have subpoena power. Tell them to go spit, pound, sand, and what has been the result in a lot of those cases? Um, the NCAA, in, unless it comes down to, quote, prove it, um, a lot of times they haven't been able to. But the willingness to just do anything other than go palms out and fall forward on the sword, um, that was always the best route. And I think there are programs who are realizing, you know what, there's another way to respond. Well, not only that, but, I mean, here, here's Attorney uh, – or not Attorney General, uh, Danny White, rather uh, – Athletics director for Tennessee says, quote, from his social media, I appreciate the action of Tennessee AG Jonathan Scrimetti for standing up for the rights of student athletes. At Tennessee, we are always going to work to support our student athletes' rights and give them all the tools needed to succeed on and off the field. This is what strong leadership looks like. And I mean, Chuck, like you say, it used to be the word was, hey, they're knocking at the door. Uh, you, you need to probably, if there's anybody you can sacrifice to try and say, hey, we did something, whatever it is. We fired the assistant coach, the head coach, the you know, the trainer, whatever it is. We fired somebody to show we're taking this seriously and we're not going to get into any public fights with the NCAA. Because remember, that's what got USC cooked. You know, Mike Garrett, their AD, goes at a dinner and calls the NCAA a bunch of haters and says they all wish they were Trojans. You know, you wave the flag in front of the bull and the bull comes for you. And so, yeah, you would not see this before. Uh, Even if an athletic director absolutely wanted the school's uh, rights to be pursued in any way possible by the attorney general or legislators or anybody who could do them a favor, you wouldn't publicly cheerlead for it. You would do it privately. 
no one seems to have any regard at this point for the idea the NCAA has got teeth, which is the whole reason they're doing this, to try and say, no, we, we, we do have teeth. We do. These are, we are a fierce animal. Arr! We respect our threat. And instead, they're kind of getting the pat on the head and they uh, go in the corner, buddy. Yeah, and the official response, or at least the, excuse me, the initial response, and it is official. I mean, Chancellor is UT, about as high up as you get, Donnie Plowman. Um, you've given us two and a half years of vague and contradictory memos, emails, and, quote, guidance about name, image, likeness. You've cre- you have created extraordinary chaos that student athletes and institutions are struggling to navigate. In short, you failed. Um that's just direct and in the face. It's the opposite of the Jeremy Pruitt thing when we're guilty of all of it. And by the way, here's some things you haven't heard. Name image likeness has flipped all of this on its ear. And again, this is not, you know, when you need to make an example of somebody, make it Colorado State. Everybody will go, all right, we get it. They're making it FSU and Tennessee to start with, Heath. Well, and Florida, too. Don't forget, they're involved with the Jaden Rashad mess with Florida. Yeah. And there's going to be more. I mean, we, we just – the biggest thing is if you're FSU, FSU settled. FSU did that thing that you used to do where you go ahead. That's why it all came out at one time was uh, they worked it out, okay, two years punishment for Atkins and uh, three-game suspension at the start of the year, and, and it's all agreed to. It's done. Now, there might be more stuff that comes eventually with FSU. We'll see about that. But but that particular case was yep. was announced and settled at the same time these are going to be the more traditional model, the model that means that theoretically it could be dragging on into 2025, even 2026 in some cases. Heck, the uh, the stuff from the basketball came to light in 2017, and they were still resolving cases, and that's six years later. So uh, who knows how long this will drag on. There might not be an NCAA to still exist by the time some of these cases wrap up if they go like the basketball ones did. Yeah, and you need to be very, very careful if you're the NCAA in the punishment you start to met out because what programs um, suddenly everybody their spidey senses are up on this and what pro what programs that transparent thing yeah that's done uh, what they're willing to reveal now it's going to be yeah it's up to you to prove it I'm not going to do your job anymore so this in a snap of a fingers and when I say that July first 2021 name image likeness uh, this became adversarial immediately instead of hey help, let us help you do your job and then hopefully you'll go easy on us. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, Alana, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today. AccentRoofingService.com. 
the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Download it now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Feeling it out across nine states, 66. We turned 10 this year. Thank y'all for listening to Chuck Oliver Show. We talk college football. In the digital age and video, et cetera, I will say it's not easy, but it's attainable to get people to look at you. People say, oh, it's easy to get people to pay attention. No, no, no. Easy to get people to look at you quickly. It's really difficult to have people pay attention to you. Our next guest, he no, man, he did it. He decided, I'm going to have a career, and folks started paying attention. And now, my gosh, CBS Sports and late kick, this, that, and a third. That's his thing, man. It's Josh Pate. Friend, welcome back. How are you on this Wednesday? I have missed you, and uh, I have come to you with an idea this morning, Chuck. How would you like to file a lawsuit against the NCAA with me? Because I hear everyone's doing it. Yeah, even when you know you're punching so far uphill like Florida State, like the Attorney General in Virginia, et cetera. Um, here is the kick in the pants, though, and I was just talking about this, Josh. Uh, Tennessee, their situation now, if they're guilty, and they kind of are of some things, they are a repeat violator. So even though I stress the word, they are a violator, they are you know, a rule breaker, um, the NCAA can look at them and say, it's time to hammer you. Um, where do you think this goes, despite Tennessee and Virginia attorney generals getting involved? Uh, so I think a lot of stuff's going to happen that none of us really understand unless you have a legal background for a little while. And people on various message boards will interpret it the way that they want to in their little fiefdom. But in the long term, I keep wondering what the SEC league office is going to have to say about this if they say anything publicly at all. Um, because you are right. Uh, Tennessee's in that repeat violator window. And so by the classical letter of the NCAA law, you could drop a sledgehammer on their forehead. What I wonder is in 2024 and moving forward, given how unstable the NCAA feels as an entity, is the SEC going to allow that? Or is the Big Ten office going to allow it if they try and really hammer Michigan this year? And I don't know, Chuck, because we don't necessarily have precedent for where we are right now. But in a world where the conversation is so frequently when is the SEC and Big Ten going to split away to begin with? I really wonder if we're already at that point, if those league offices are going to allow the NCAA to hammer one of their member institutions. And I also think from a TV network's perspective, I mean, does ESPN really pay the billions of dollars they're paying in rights fees for an organization in Indianapolis to just arbitrarily throw around these rules and greatly reduce the value of part of that package. Like, I just think there are too powerful, uh, there, there, there are too many powerful folks in the room who would look at that and say, this is not an option. Can't let this happen. And all of a sudden you got levers in the room that are getting pulled that you didn't even know existed. And I know that's very nebulous. I don't know the mechanisms of that. I just wonder if they do try and come down on them. I wonder what the response is, whether it be from media executives or the league office. All right. So 75% of the playoff head coaches voluntarily left their programs within two weeks of the national championship game. Um, those guys were in the best spots. And they and one of them left for another playoff team, Caitlin DeBoer. But still, he was like, yeah, I'm leaving. 
Um, there, that's at the top, and we always see that. And those were for you know, Nick Saban's like twelve million. I'm out. Jim Harbaugh's like, yeah, twelve million. I'm going to the league. I'm out. Um, position coaches, guys on one year deals making three hundred and fifty grand. Um, it's got to be even less tolerable for them. Talk about the flow of coaches out of college because it just ain't as much fun as it used to be. Yeah, it's a it's a mess, man. And you can't ever get – there's a certain group of people that just refuse to look at this as a problem because they only look at it and see the salaries. And if you're like a 99% of us and you're working a 9-to-5 job and you're making a good income, but you look at folks making $2.7 million a year to be a coordinator – you're not going to feel sorry for him. And I'm not here asking you to feel sorry for him. I'm asking, do you love college football? Your answer is yes, if you're listening to the Chuck Oliver Show. And so I ask, do you really think it's in our best interest to have the best minds in our game with that amount of money in front of them telling you, nope, even that's not worth it, I'm walking away? Uh, Because right now, the sport is such a mess. The sport is wonderful, let me say that. The structure behind the curtain is such a mess. And that's an old story, and I don't want to continue to beat that drum. But here's what I think's happening, Chuck. I'm very surprised that it didn't happen this cycle. I think it's coming in the immediate future. And that is someone else pulling a Chris Peterson, someone being in the prime of their career, healthy, um, not going to the NFL. They just say, I'm out. Like, I can't do this right now. And maybe I'll be back in five years. Maybe I'll go work at CBS or whatnot. And maybe when the sport rectifies itself, I'll be back. But I had it um, disseminated to me uh, by the people themselves that there were some big names in the coaching industry that were very, very much flirting with that idea and still are, by the way. I'm talking about huge names flirting with the idea of this isn't for me right now. I got to get out of this. I mean, I want to still have my sanity 30 years from now. So maybe I'm back, maybe I'm not. I, I think if the head coaches are feeling that way, absolutely, man. The, the position coaches who have not obtained generational wealth and can't walk away from it yet uh, more than feel the same way. Late kick guy. Oh, that's Josh Pay. Yes, it is. All right. Um, let's talk about the ACC because they're in a strange spot. And I've always – I remember, like, when Michigan State was going to Rose Bowls, I was like, good for them, but – you can't be pulled along by Wisconsin and Michigan State, you, you know, by your good, solid mid-tier programs. Um, the ACC, when will Clemson and Miami be really, really good again? Because, I, honestly, and I mean this, Louisville was outstanding last year. NC State's a really good – you can't be – ACC's not going to come out of whatever the funk they're in with Louisville and NC State. It's got to be big-time national brands killing folks. Um, can that happen again? Yeah, I think Florida State's there. I think they're on the precipice of being there. I think they probably balanced portal and recruiting about as well as anyone to fix a program. Miami can be there. You're going to always have the on-field questions and Saturday game day questions with Mario until you don't. Uh, But they can acquire the talent, let me put it that way. Clemson is the most interesting case study to me uh, because they bring back a lot on offense this year. Uh, but they still have completely forsaken one of the primary talent acquisition mechanisms available to you. That's the portal. Now, they would tell you, well, Josh, we've offered more kids this cycle. Well, I don't care. You haven't landed them. You're Clemson. You should be landing kids out of the portal, and you haven't. And so, look, they don't recruit at an elite level either. Clemson recruits at a really good level. They've finished, I think, 10th, 11th, and 12th over the past three cycles, which is really good. But you're talking about competing with the best of the best, and they're not there right now. That wide receiver room has been a glaring issue 
They had double-digit all-ACC guys in that run they made in the 20-teens. They've had zero since 2020 at that position. Uh, that's got to change. Now, they got top 20 staffs on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think they've still got the right DNA under the hood. They just don't have a good enough talent roster right now. And I think Florida State's bypassed them. And they've sat there and watched them bypass them because Florida State's willing to do what Clemson's not willing to do, and that is use all of the means at their disposal to go get players. So I don't, I think they're going to be good. It's not like I think they're falling off a cliff, but I mean, they open with Georgia this, this September uh, or late August, whenever that game is. They could have another really, really rude awakening to start 2024 the same way Duke did them in 2023. Overall, let's get philosophical, okay? Let's lean back in the beanbag chair and burn some incense. Uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, where do I fit in this world? Um, I would say if we're ranking, like, just overall program strength, like, even if Auburn is a down year, like, Auburn's a better program, you know, that Tennessee's a better program, whatever. I would say South Carolina was probably ninth or 10th out of 14, and they immediately dropped two spots with OU and Texas coming in, in my estimation. What's really possible in Columbia on a consistent basis? What's like? What's the blue sky even on a rare year? You know, I think making a bowl game is good there in the new in the new SEC world. I think making a bowl game is good there, and I think building every third year to try and you know do what Missouri just did last year. Yeah. I think that's that's how I view that program. And this is a this is a broader thing, man. With Texas and OU coming into this conference. I've, I've got buddies, not Georgia and Bama fan buddies. I got buddies of just middle tier to lower tier SEC programs who keep talking about how Texas and OU are in for this rude awakening because of what the SEC is going to do to them. And in reality, what you got is you got someone who's sitting on the sixth or seventh row of the bus. And what they don't realize is when Texas and OU get on, I don't know where they're going to sit, but it's going to be in front of the seventh yeah. row. And so what they're going to find in the aggregate is, Oh, I just I just got moved back two further seats. That's that was the rude awakening. Not OU in Texas. I got the rude awakening, and I think that's kind of where South Carolina, Kentucky, like that's where they are as programs. Yeah, and I hate to say it, because I mean I, I try to be honest here. SEC is still the best conference. Uh, there was about half the season where Ole Miss rolling into into New Orleans and taking down Tulane was the best non conference win in the league, um, and I'm not used to that being the case in the SEC. Uh, it was not the best most super-duper season for the Southeastern Conference. Do you agree? I agree. I, I felt that way, Chuck, about the country, I, I, especially about the Yeah, SEC, raggedy though. football. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, which is crazy because if you think about it, that sounds like a recipe for chaos every Saturday where we don't have teams separating. We thought Georgia was separating, and they didn't even win the conference. So we didn't have truly elite, dominant generational teams, and yet we didn't have a single Saturday that left your jaw on the ground. We didn't have a single volcanic Saturday. The 2023 season will always stand out in my mind because we had all the recipes there for huge parity and competitive balance, and we didn't have a single truly chaotic Saturday. Do you have another 30 seconds? Because I have a theory I want to test out on you. I have a whole minute for you if you want. Wow. What age are you? I am uh, between 30 and 40 and closer to 40 than 30. Okay, so you grew up watching the Pro Bowl because you're a football fan and it was football. 
Wasn't sure. it kind of raggedy and disjointed and you were never fully satisfied, but it was the best players possible? I think the portal and player mobility, it's great for the kids and long overdue. This ain't working because football is the one sport where you can't just put together a bunch of all-star talent. It really does. The punter and the safety are connected somehow in football. Um, that's my theory. That's my pro bowl name image likeness theory. Any response? I just think it's like working a construction site and, you know, the truck shows up and unloads the pallet of bricks in the morning. Well, it would be stupid to call that a house. You got to do something with the bricks. They don't just sit there and, and make a house out of themselves. And that's why when we talk portal, like on late kick, I always caution, Hey, I know we got these rankings and I know this kid's rated here and this class is rated there. This means way less than recruiting rankings. Uh, because th- these are mercenaries you're bringing in. As long as you're honest about your about what you're talking about, it's okay. I think a lot of folks, you know, look at Ole Miss right now. Well, since they brought in these players, that's their team. No, that's their players. We'll yeah. see what their team is. Yeah. All right, Josh. Thank you for so much, friend. I appreciate it, brother. All right, late kick, Josh. <clears throat> I talked one time, and I always like to know the age range of people, like when you were in like middle school, high school, graduating, whatever. I was, uh, I don't know, like probably about, about third, fourth grader, maybe. Um, and this film came out called Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And it was a film adaptation of the Beatles, you know, great album. And I didn't know much about the album. I just knew a bunch of people in the movie because the thought was like, imagine this if you aren't of an age and don't go back and watch the movie. It, it don't. Um, Imagine if you went to this year's Grammys and scooped up like 15 of the big winners and then went to the Academy Awards and got like four or five more big winners. And then you brought them all together. It's like, look, we're going to do a movie. Not really sure what it's about. Not really sure what we're going to do, but it has to be great. It wasn't. It wasn't It wasn't good. It wasn't even bad. See, that that was the issue. It's not just a collection of talent. And in football, unlike any other sport, the All-Star Game and the NBA throw together just the best 12 ballers in the conference and you'll score 173. Major League All-Star Game, it's irrelevant if I've ever seen you before. Or we even speak the same language. Doesn't matter. Football? It's why the Pro Bowl, I remember being a third grader watching the Pro Bowl going, wait a minute, all of these guys were just so good for 14 weeks. Why does this game stink so much? I didn't understand. Years later, I understand. It's because football is just a different sort of thing. So, yes, your talent level goes way, way up. But it's what kind of football are you playing? When I said raggedy, I'm saying it just kind of disjointed. It's just not the same. And you all know the two position groups that it matters the most to. Uh, we've mentioned that's on our list of sports rules. We all know that. But it's football overall it's just not a sport where all right we've got a bunch of talent to play or it just it's not that way all right it's a wednesday we break wrap up hour one next Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. We were very, very um, strategic uh, a year ago. We felt like we were chasing our tails in the portal and did a lot of things to kind of reorganize our recruiting office personnel and 
got some really good people in there that led the charge and we targeted you know uh, players that we thought if they went in well let's find the footprint that they would want to be in and in most cases you see kids going back home hey dorm head coach nc state it's been a minute Dave Doran, a decade at the helm now. He had that Jordan Lynch team that went down to Miami and played in the Orange Bowl against FSU. Jordan Lynch was a Heisman finalist. And then Dave Doran lit out for Raleigh, and he's been there since. And it's been, I'm going to, here's the weird thing. I'm going to say it's been a good amount of success. Why am I doing my voice like that? Do you know a good amount of success? This past season, had a 20 to 6 home dub over Miami became the winningest coach in program history. Now, they presented him, Boo Corrigan presented him with a jersey with a big 78 on it. I'm not being snarky here. It should take more. Like it should be triple digits at least. If I offered Heath 100 million dollars to tell me who the all-time winningest coach was in program history, if he would have said my first Maybe three guesses. He also would have been wrong. Um, Dave Doran now has 78 dubs as head coach. And that is more than Dick Sheridan. It's more than Mike O'Kane. It's more than Chuck Amato. It's more than Tom O'Brien. It also is more than Earl Edwards. I didn't know Earl. From the Greenville Edwards. And uh, Dave Doran at 78, like, he's already played footsie a couple of different times with other programs. And then there have been times where there has been just a little tangent rally of, what do we have in this guy? And then whenever it gets a little murky, he has a pop season, gets a new contract, and they roll right along. So he's talking about his favorite way to build a program. And he's talking about being strategic and portal and coming and going and whatever. Also talking about in-state recruiting there in North Carolina. Because a lot of times when a kid will set out for the West, wherever he, he lands, Clemson really goes to North Carolina, has a lot. Uh, Georgia's gone up there. Everybody knows the way. Great state. A lot of times when a kid from any state anywhere go, it didn't work out here. A lot of times they want to go back to something that's more familiar and think that, you know, there's comfort and also confidence and the ability to perform and, you know, all that uh, closer to home. And so second bite at the apple doesn't matter as much if you're the head coach, for instance, like Eli. It's decent enough recruiting, but the second bite at the apple for kids from the state of Missouri, it doesn't count the same. It's not the same year in and year out as it is at North Carolina. That's a great state for recruiting. Hey, how's that Wednesday? Yeah, I thought it was interesting, Chuck, that um, Alabama hired Jatavis Sanders away from NC State as their director of recruiting strategy, which kind of tells you something. Obviously, DeBoer is still adapting to life in the southeast and, and figuring out how he wants to establish what it is that his program is we we know alabama will always have cachet because it's alabama but you know where where does he feel he'll find the kind of players he needs and so forth so i thought that was interesting that's part of why i picked that clip is because uh now you've got somebody in the time since he said that a couple of days ago you've had alabama come in and scoop up one of his guys to kind of take their recruiting stance so we'll see what that winds up looking like uh, chuck did you by any chance get a look at the big 12 schedule that got released yesterday 
Oh, yeah, I did, as a matter of fact. Uh, boy, that's a big league, man. It is. It's it's a very big league. For those of you who might not have seen it, again, there's there's a bunch Holy of games. Uh, there's some interesting stuff about it, but the thing that got announced yesterday that I don't think people realized that could really matter, and, and that sounds so goofy to say, but the facts are that conference is wide open right now. With Texas it looks Oklahoma fun to leaving, me, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's going to be up for grabs. You're going to have legitimately at least half that conference that believes, hey, we could win this thing. They're not all equally right, but they're going to go into the year. Every one of those teams coming in from the Pac-12 is going to believe, hey, man, we could do this. We might be able to make it happen. Uh, But one of the teams that people have been pointing to is obviously Kansas. Yeah, they lost their OC, but you kept your head coach. You kept Jalen Daniels at quarterback. Plus, you got experience behind him. This is supposed to be a big year for Kansas, and they're not going to get to play it on campus. They're going to play two of their games at Children's Mercy Park, which is where the soccer team in Kansas City plays. Lindenwood and UNLV are going to play them at the soccer stadium. And their other games, their Big 12 home games, TCU, Houston, Iowa State, Colorado going to be at Arrowhead, Chuck, the Chiefs' place. Can you imagine Kansas football in the Charlie Weiss era trying to sell tickets to games at the Chiefs' stadium, trying to get people to come there and 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 fill up that venue what that would have looked like no kansas fans that you could have said will play in your front yard they would not have raised the shade much less you make it any manner of of inconvenient in the least no and instead they're going to play four big 12 games there and and if they live up to what they could be they'll probably do pretty well it's just a shame the most anticipated football season possibly in kansas history and you're not gonna get to play a single second of it in your campus stadium yeah when i said it looks fun i mean it's huge. It's Provo to Orlando, and it's everywhere and literally everywhere in between. Um, but it is fun and wide open, and it's a totally different feel. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 